0: Hey, good morning everybody. Great to see you guys here today. I want to welcome all of you. And I also want to say happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. And we really want you to know that you are loved and you are appreciated and we thank God for you. And we hope you enjoy your ice cream. And I am obviously no expert on motherhood But I do get a front row seat of what it's like to be a mom by watching my wife, Hannah, and I can see it's a tough job. And sometimes it's just a thousand little things. Like, can you please not stuff your candy wrappers into every pocket and storage compartment in our van? And can you please not get into a big fight every time you go upstairs to brush your teeth? And can you please not breathe on my dinner? These things all happen in our house. But then sometimes the issues are tougher, like when you're on the opposite side of an argument and your child is, uh, it seems like they're going to fight to the death to get their way. But then I think the toughest part of being a mom is the really big stuff, like the fact that you can't turn this world into a completely safe place for your child. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just get on your knees and pray. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're in the second week of this series called Kingdom Habits. And this series is all about developing the kind of habits that will ignite spiritual growth in our lives. Today we're focusing on the spiritual discipline or the kingdom habit of prayer. But before we get to that topic, let's go back and remember where we left off last week. Last week we talked about listening to God through Scripture. And we all had a challenge. Remember that? The challenge was to spend at least 10 minutes with God every day, at least five days a week between now and the end of the month, the end of May. And part of that time with God includes reading the Bible. And as we do that, we want to ask at least two questions. After you read a verse or a passage, you say, God, based on what I just read, what do you want me to know? And then here's the second question. God, based on what I just read, what do you want me to do? So two things. What do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? Because it's not enough just to listen to God. We need to listen and obey. And reading Scripture, that's a vital part of spending one-on-one time with God. But prayer is also vital. And in one sense, prayer is really simple. It's just talking to God. But what do you think? Do you think there is a wrong way to pray? Is there a wrong way? According to Jesus, yes, there is. In Matthew 6 verse 5, here's what Jesus said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, as a preacher, somebody who stands up here and prays in front of people on a regular basis, this gets my attention. And so I have to go back and ask those two questions God, what do you want me to know here? And what do you want me to do? So here's what I hear God saying to me Don't pray for show pray from the heart. And then from there, Jesus goes on, and He mentions another wrong way to pray. Look at verse 7. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So what's God saying here? Well, I asked those same two questions, and I arrived at a similar answer. Don't just pray with empty words. Pray from the heart. So clearly, there is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray, and we have found a good starting point. Jesus tells us to pray from the heart. If we're not being honest with Him, we're just playing a game. So that's a good starting point, but we need to go on from there because in the next few, few verses, Jesus gives us a pattern to use as we pray. And this pattern is usually called the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. So I want to go ahead and read this, but this time, let's all read out loud together. Can we do that? And it it may help you to to read what's on the screen because there are different versions of the Lord's Prayer, and and we're going to look at the NIV, the New International Version. So here we go. Matthew 6, starting with verse 9. Let's, Let's read together. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, our Father Okay, I appreciate you reading that with me. And you might wonder, where's that tag at the end? For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, That's actually not in the earliest manuscripts of the Bible. You might have a footnote in in your Bible on that. Um, But of course, it's fine to pray that because it's absolutely true. But now, I think many of us have prayed these words, some version of the Lord's Prayer, dozens if not hundreds of times. But did you notice what Jesus said in verse 9? Right at the beginning there, he said, this is how to pray. He did not say, this is what to pray. Jesus didn't intend for us to use those exact words. And it's fine to do that as long as you pray from the heart. But his intention was that we use this prayer as a pattern and then we make it our own. So how do we do that? Well, if we're going to make this prayer our own, we need to understand what it's about. So let's break it down one piece at a time. You can divide the Lord's Prayer into three main parts. Part one could be called adoration. That's where you say, God, we adore you. We give you the honor and the worship that you deserve. And Jesus begins this section by saying, our Father. And that's very interesting because the Jews of that time did not consistently refer to God as Father. That title just seemed a little too familiar, a little too intimate. And it's true that when you think of God as a Father, that changes the whole conversation, doesn't it? And for those of us who had a good dad, man, it's great to think about God as a good father. But that's not the case with all of us, right? Right? Uh, If your dad was absent or he was cruel, this may be tough. It, It may be a difficult image for you. But this is exactly who God is. He is the perfect Father. He loves you more than you could know. He will provide for you. He always wants what is best for you. He's not distant or absent or cruel So that's how Jesus starts this prayer. He addresses God as Father. But then he balances that closeness with a statement of reverence. Hallowed be your name. And that statement is basically saying, God, we give you the honor and respect you deserve. We praise you for your holiness, your goodness, your knowledge, your power, your love. No one else is like you. And then from there, Jesus moves on to part two, which is about surrender. Uh, He uses a phrase that we've prayed a lot here at Plum Creek over the last year and a half. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that phrase, we're, we're asking God to bring up there down here. We're asking God to rule and reign on earth in the same way that he already rules and reigns in heaven. And when we ask that, we're also inviting him to rule and reign in our hearts. So that's about submission, it's about surrender. That's not always an easy prayer to pray. But then the next section, the third section, is about dependence. And Jesus begins this section by asking God to provide for our physical needs. And you know, it's interesting. He says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus does not say, Father, would you go ahead and give us all the bread that we need for the rest of our lives? That's not the pattern, is it? So why does he not do that? Well, it's because God wants us to depend on him every single day. The reality is, We need Him every single day, every single moment, every heartbeat that we have. We depend on Him. We depend on Him for every breath that we breathe. And He just wants us to recognize that and acknowledge our need for Him. Finally, Jesus moves into spiritual territory. And when He asks the Father to forgive our debts... He's talking about sin there because when we sinned, we racked up a huge spiritual debt and praise God that Jesus covered our debt when he went to the cross and paid the penalty that we deserve to pay. And if you've given your life to him, you are forgiven and free. At the same time, though, Jesus also says, forgive our debts in the same way that we forgive others. It's not reasonable to ask God to forgive us if we're not willing to forgive others. And then in verse 13, Jesus mentions temptation. And the Bible is clear that God does not tempt us. We see that in James chapter 1. But God does allow us to be tempted. And in the same way that we depend on God for our daily bread, we also depend on Him for the strength to fight temptation. So, there we go. That's a quick look at the Lord's Prayer. And again, with this model, Jesus did not tell us what to pray. He told us how to pray. He gave us a pattern. And let's be honest. Most Christians have a hard time following this pattern. This is not what comes naturally for us. Let me explain what I mean. I am a visual learner. And this week, I I started thinking about the Lord's Prayer in terms of a pie chart. And I know that's weird, but hang with me here. As we just saw, there are several different topics or big categories in this prayer. And I wanted to break down those categories by percentage in a pie chart. And I figured somebody else had this same idea before I did. So I did a quick search and the internet did not let me down. A blogger named Judy Allen already made this pie chart for me, so check it out. This pie is divided into eight slices. And then on the right-hand side, all those pieces in blue shades, those represent the first four phrases of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. All four of those phrases are centered on God and His kingdom. Now, on the left side of the pie, those uh, pieces that are in kind of a red shade, those focus on spiritual needs, forgiveness, the strength to fight temptation. And then finally, there's that yellow piece kind of in the middle there. Uh, That's where Jesus focuses on physical needs. Give us today our daily bread now i find this fascinating because that yellow slice that only represents one eighth of the whole pie just 12.5 percent but let's compare this pattern to the way we actually pray now judy the blogger she made a pie chart based on her own prayers now wow look at that yellow slice that's a lot of daily bread And if I had to guess, I'd say many of our pies look pretty similar because we just gravitate to asking God about material things, financial needs, physical health, things like that. And it's absolutely good and it's a good thing to bring those requests to God. But at the same time, is it possible that we need to give more focus to spiritual things? Is it possible that we need to give God a bigger slice of this pie? Based on the pattern that Jesus gave us, I I do think a lot of us need to make some adjustments. So with that in mind, I want to share a tool that I have found to be very helpful. If you picked up a bulletin, you probably noticed the insert with something called the Acts method of prayer. And that name, Acts, is an acronym. Each letter represents a different kind of prayer. And you can pray through each one of these letters. I like to go in that order. A stands for adoration. That's where you praise God for who He is and what He has done. And in case you struggle with this, I have a couple of tips here. Uh, first, you might want to just complete these two sentences. God, you are, the name and attribute. And then, God, you did, think of something that He did and say, God, that was amazing. Now, sometimes it's fairly easy to complete these sentences, but other times it feels a little forced. So here's another tip, and you can pray through one of the Psalms. I put Psalm 9, verses 1 to 2 on your handout. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you've done, and I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name. That's a great psalm of adoration. And you can pray through these words as you read them. Okay, let's move on to letter C of the Acts Method. C stands for confession. And we already said we need to pray from the heart. That means being honest. Honest about everything, including our sin. We need to name our sin. Grieve over our sin. Repent of our sin. And we don't want to get confused here. Because if you have truly surrendered your life to Christ, you are already forgiven. God sees you as good and righteous, not because of your own level of goodness, but because of what Jesus has done. And because of that, we don't need to walk around in shame and guilt. At the same time, though, sin is still a very big deal. And sin has terrible consequences. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And he's saying that to Christians, people who have already been forgiven. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. In other words, go to war. Fight sin. Fight temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. And no, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to give in to temptation now and then. But when we fail, we need to bring our failure to God. And the good news is, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So don't skip the letter C. Make time for confession in your prayers. And be specific. Look over the past day. Over the past week, admit the wrong that you've done and then receive God's grace and get a new start. All right, two more letters. The the letter T stands for thanksgiving. And I won't say very much about this one. Uh, Just make a list of God's blessings. There are literally millions of them. They're all around you. And every good gift in life that comes from our good heavenly Father So be grateful. And then finally, we get to the letter S. S stands for supplication. And supplication is not a word that we use very much in everyday life, but the meaning is fairly simple. It just means it's a request. It's a a simple, sincere, humble request. And normally when it comes to prayer, this is our sweet spot because we have a long list of requests and things we would like from God. Sometimes, God gives us exactly what we ask for, and Scripture says there are certain things God will do only when we pray. Other times, though, God says no to our request or not yet, and that's when we just have to trust that God is always good and His will is always for the best. But we should never apologize or hesitate to bring our requests to God. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? God wants us to tell Him what's in our hearts. And even though He doesn't always give us exactly what we ask for, He will give us the peace that comes from trusting Him. Now, just another quick word about supplication. This is another place where we can get a little out of balance because it's natural for us to pray for the people who are closest to us, the people we really care about the most, the people we love the most. And absolutely, yes, let's lift them up in prayer. But let's also remember, there are so many important things to pray about. That's why I really appreciate another tool that we've been using here at Plum Creek. We've put out a prayer calendar every month. And on this calendar, each day gives you a specific prayer focus. Uh, For example, today the calendar says to praise God for hearing our prayers. Sundays are usually centered on adoration and praise. And then there's a verse that goes along with this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, which is awesome. Then on other days, we pray for physical needs, spiritual needs. We pray for ministries here at Plum Creek. We pray for government leaders, local schools. Uh, We pray for mission partners. Uh, We pray for people who need Jesus, both locally and around the world. Some of you have an additional uh, tool. You got a, a certificate a few weeks ago where you adopted an unreached people group. And many of us made a commitment to pray for a specific people group for 30 days. These are people in places where they haven't heard the name of Jesus, they haven't been exposed to the good news, the gospel. And we're still in that 30 days, so I encourage you to follow through there. But it's powerful to know that God hears all of these prayers. And I encourage you to use these tools and these resources as you pray. But you know, I have to be honest with you. I would love to say that prayer comes naturally for me, but it's just not true. For me, at least, prayer is hard. It's easy for me to get distracted. It's easy for me to start out praying and then A few minutes later, all of a sudden, I find out I'm just thinking, and that's not the same thing, but that's why I love the Lord's Prayer. I love the Psalms, our calendar, this Acts method of prayer. All of these things help me grow and develop this kingdom habit, but I'll tell you one other thing that helps me grow in this area. I get excited about prayer when I see God answer prayers. And I'll tell you what, for several months now, I've been seeing God move in an amazing way. It's it's been awesome. And before I'm done here, I want to share a real-life example of the difference that prayer makes. Now, this uh, is another story that came out of our testimony challenge that we did a few weeks ago. And this testimony is written by Jill Terry. I want to read what she wrote with some slight paraphrasing. So let's listen. Here's Jill's story. She says, I attended church from an early age with my parents. I believed in Jesus and studied the Bible, but in my teen years, circumstances pulled me away from the church. I found myself facing teenage pregnancy and marrying very young. My focus became struggling as a young woman to manage motherhood and other priorities It would be many years before the call on my heart to return to Christ would sound loud and clear. Life got in the way. I went on with a career. I raised my beautiful son. I went through a divorce, and in 2001, I lost my mother. All the while, through life's challenges, my dad prompted me often to return to church, to return to walking with Christ. Dad was my rock and a faithful example of a Christian man. He lived out a Christian faith, serving God, ministering to others. And he continued to encourage me to return to church. Then, in 2019, at 85 years old, dad was briefly in a nursing home. And dad would always say, when I get home, will you promise to go to church with me? His health declined and hospice was brought in. He returned home where he could spend his last days with friends and family and other visitors. Sadly, his time at home was very short. Dad passed away just four days after he came home. Losing Dad rocked me to the core. Trying to be strong, I would go on, but the waves of grief continued for months I would find myself doing normal everyday tasks and then there would be tears just rolling down my face. It seemed like this pain and grief would never end. Months went on and I continued to sink further into depression. Desperate for help, I reached out to a close friend almost daily. One of those nights I called and I pleaded with her. What do I do? Why do I still feel like this? How do I go on? I can't keep feeling this way. My friend paused, quiet for a moment, and then she said something she had never said to me before. She said, Jill, I love you enough that I have to be honest with you about what I truly believe is the only answer. And my friend said, you know the suffering I have going on in my own life with my own parents, and there's only one reason I'm not in bed with the covers over my head right now, and that is my faith in Jesus I don't think there's anything else I can tell you that will fix your broken heart but to return to a relationship with Jesus. And even if you're not sure, I'm asking you to trust me and take just one simple first step and go to church with me. Jill said, that very next Sunday, I entered the doors of Plum Creek with my friend. It just so happened that Doug was preaching about death and he shared about the recent loss of his own mother. I was gutted. Tears streamed down my face and my friend was crying as well. We just held each other's hand hoping we wouldn't just burst out violently, loudly, ugly crying during the service. I turned to my friend and accused her of knowing that this would be the topic that day. But then what I realized was that Jesus met me there that day reminding me that he was completely aware of my pain, that he loved me and would restore my heart and my hope again. I've made closeness with God and the study of his word a priority in my life. And in addition, I have found a new family at Plum Creek. So that's the end of the testimony that Jill wrote. But that's not the end of the story. I emailed Jill and I thanked her for sending in her testimony and she sent me a response. Here's what she said. To continue with my story a little bit, I was thinking that on the Sunday you share my story, I could get baptized. Writing my story made me think. And I believe this is the time for me to give myself fully to the Lord. So guess what? Today is the day I'm sharing Jill's story. And today is the day she's going to be baptized. We'll see that here in just a few minutes. That's awesome. But hold on. There's still more. Uh, If you were paying attention, you might have noticed something. Today, we're talking about prayer. And Jill did not mention prayer in that testimony, not specifically, right? Well, we should know that with a story like this, prayer almost always plays a big role. But sometimes it's behind the scenes. And first of all, I want to share my side of the story. It's the preacher's perspective Every week as I work on the sermon, and right before I come out here to preach, I pray that God will speak through his word, and I pray that everyone will hear exactly what they need to hear from him. On that day when Jill came to Plum Creek for the first time, I believe God answered that prayer. You know... It's a little crazy that I talk about losing my mom on that day, but you know what? I'm actually not surprised because this happens again and again and again. I hear it a lot, and obviously, this is not about me at all. I had no idea what Jill was going through that day. I had never met her, but God knew, and I'm confident that Jesus spoke to her exactly the way she described it. So that's my side of the story, but I still have one more perspective to share. You remember that friend from Jill's story, the one who told her about Jesus and invited her to church? That friend is Kristen Karskadden, a member here at Plum Creek. And this week, I asked Kristen if she would share her side of the story, and she did. It was so cool. Remember that conversation when Jill called Kristen and she was really upset. She was saying, why do I still feel like this? How do I go on? In that moment, Kristen felt a prompting from God to say something. And just a side note here, whenever you feel like God is leading you to say something or do something, make sure you Test, that check to, to make sure that, that message aligns with God's word, because He will never lead you to do something that contradicts what He said in the Bible. But in Kristen's case, this prompting was very much aligned with Scripture. Listen to what Kristen told me. She said, I felt God say to my heart, Tell her what she really needs, to which I promptly replied, nope, not today. I could offend her. I could lose a friend. Now, do you see what Kristen is doing there? She's arguing with God a little bit, but she's also being honest. She's praying from the heart, and that is a good thing, and that prompting didn't go away. Uh, Kristen sensed that God was saying, you know what she needs, so tell her And tell her she needs me. Don't just say she needs to go to church. Say my name. This argument with God took about 30 seconds. And finally, Kristen said, God, make me calm. Make her receptive and help her to understand. And please don't let her hang up on me. And then she went for it. That's when Kristen told Jill about Jesus and invited her to church. And Kristen said to me, three minutes of obedience changed my life and changed Jill's life. You know, when you really think about prayer, it's completely amazing. Because God simultaneously hears millions and millions of prayers that are lifted up every second. He knows the tangled web of relationships and situations and events that are going on every moment of every day. He knows everything that needs to happen now and everything that needs to happen in the future. And this all-knowing, all-powerful God longs to hear from us. He longs to answer our prayers. This week I came across an amazing verse It's Isaiah 30, verse 18. That verse says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So, Plum Creek, let's be a praying church. Not just a church that prays now and then, but a praying church. And if you haven't taken up this challenge, I really encourage you to do that. Spend time with God at least 10 minutes a day, at least five days a week from now through the end of the month and see if you develop a a big kingdom habit here. And in this particular area of prayer, from wherever you are today, take a deeper step and let's see what God will do. Pray with me. Father, from, from where we are, prayer is a mysterious thing Sometimes it's a frustrating thing and we often find it difficult. But I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth here that you listen to us, you care, you have the help that we need and you will give the help that we need if we trust you. So Lord, help us do that. And I pray that this week we will see some amazing answers to prayer. And I thank you for the amazing things that we've seen, even just here recently. So we praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.